Amen. All right. We continue on our topic here, vision. Today we're talking about the nuts and bolts of vision. All right. Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read different translations, and sometimes it's really worth reading different translations to get a broader understanding of what the text is saying. All right. So I'm going to read uh, Proverbs 29, 18 in different translations. The King James Version reads, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? So it means when people don't have vision, they perish. What does that mean? We'll explain that later. The American Standard Version says where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. People cast off restraint. We'll, we'll, we'll explain that as well. The New American Standard Bible reads where there's no vision, the people are demoralized. So to have a high morale, you've got to have vision. And when people don't have vision, they become demoralized. There are people who, you know, they don't have any spark in them. You know, how many of you know those people who don't have a spark in them? Oh, come on now, answer me now. How many of you know those people? Oh, okay, okay, let me ask it this way. How many of you are sitting next to one of those people right now as well? <laughs> You know, there's people who are just coasting around in life. They, 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 they. And this is what has really bothered me sometimes when we look at some of the, the movies where they are trying to depict our Lord Jesus Christ, you know. And, and, and the actor who acts the part, Yamura Najeso, there's this guy who's always speaking in a monotone voice. He's never angry. He's never happy. He's never sad. He's just neutral. You know, but when you read the Bible, Jesus was never neutral. Uh-uh. He used to get angry. Remember that time when he pushed people out of the temple? Even his disciples said, Chineke, yo. You've never seen him like this. Jesus, the Bible tells us that he had compassion on people. There are things that moved him deeply. You know, and he would do something. It wasn't just a compassion of shame. It moved him to action. You know, and, and sometimes people, when they think about religion and religious people, and even when they portray us, I remember years ago when, you know, when people want to take a picture of me, you know, and they, they come here, your journalists come say, take a picture of you, and then they say, pose. Then I'm not standing, I'm not smiling, but ha, uh, iri. You know, according to them, eh? you must just have that... Uh, you're not angry, you don't smile, you don't dance or anything. And when people talk about religion, and, and, and unfortunately that's what we do ourselves, we do ourselves a disfavor, you know. When we do religious work, you know, we come in that serene mood where we are very low, it's like we're almost bordering on depression. You know, we just never smile, never happy, no passion whatsoever. Our morale is not high. It's almost like, you know, we're in church, we're not enjoying it. We're not enjoying being pastors. We're not enjoying preaching. You know, we're not enjoying singing. You know, when you go to church, some people, they don't even raise their hands. They don't even raise their voice. But you must see them when they're at a soccer match. Yeah, you must see them. But you know, but the Bible talks about when a person has... Vision, their morale is high. We'll talk about that. We're not demoralized. The Spanish Bible, I love this one. It says, where there's no vision, the people run like wild, untamed horses. Amazing. All right. Now let's get back to the translations. According to these translations, we must have vision because if we don't have vision, let me go through that. We perish. We cast off restraint. We are demoralized. We will run like wild, untamed horses. Because we don't have vision. Let's go back to the first one. That word perish is the Hebrew word P-A-R-A. P-A-R-A. And what that word means, it means to loosen, to let go, to be unruly, or to be unbridled. Right? So when we don't have vision, we become unbridled, unruly. We don't have direction. We become wild. Right? We do whatever comes to our minds. We have no restraint whatsoever, right? We do whatever comes to us. Our life doesn't have any direction. We don't plan anything. We don't have any goal. There's no purpose to our lives. We just wake up and do whatever. In fact, a very interesting passage of scripture where the word para is used is in Exodus 32, 
Verse 25 in particular. But what happened in Exodus 32, Moses had been up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Had been gone for quite a long time and, and the children of Israel really got tired of waiting for him. And so they went to Aaron, who was their leader at the time, who, you know, was Moses' assistant. And they said, this guy Moses, we don't know what has happened to him. We don't know why he's taking so long. Probably him and his God have changed their minds and they've forgotten about us. And so then they said to Aaron, why don't you make us a, 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 a God, a golden calf that we will worship because as for Moses and his God, we don't know what has happened to him. And so they made a golden calf and I'm, I'm cutting out a lot of details there. And the Bible says after they made a golden calf, they then had a wild orgy. How many of you know what a wild orgy is? If you don't know what a wild OG is, just ask the person sitting next to you. Because I know you church people, you want to act like you don't know what he is talking about. They had a wild OG. So after they made this God, they came and worshipped this God and sacrificed. They began to drink. They began to party. They began to do all kinds of wild things and engage in all kinds of events and activities that were very humiliating. And I mean, they just let loose and they let go. I mean, they, were, they didn't care. They drank themselves into a wild stupor and it was anything goes. That's that word, para. In other words, when someone doesn't have a vision, they live that life where anything goes. See, when you, when you don't have a vision, you don't care what you do with your body. You don't care what you do with your life. You don't care what you drink. See, you don't care where you spend your life. Your way you spend your time. You don't care who influences you. You don't care when you wake up. It doesn't matter when you go to bed. Nothing matters. It's just a, a life that has no boundaries, a life that is not controlled whatsoever. It does whatever it does. And so when you see someone who claims that they want to go somewhere, and yet when you look at the way they behave on a daily basis, you'll tell that they'll never get there. Because vision, oftentimes when you have a vision, vision will constrain you. You know, the late baby Jake Matlala, I used to know him, uh, and we used to be, we used to go to the same gym back then, you know, and, and I, I, I remember one day asking him, how do you prepare for your fights? He said, yo, this is actually Pastor Mosa, Pastor Mosa, you, you know, if I'm going to have a fight, I have to prepare like uh, three months, three to four months ahead of time, and I put myself on a strong regimen wherein it's a mixture of diet rest, training, and my, my mental attitude. Those, those three things. You know, he, he had to eat properly. So if you're going to have a fight, you can't do whatever you like. You can't be on McDonald's every day. I know some of you legit at McDonald's this morning. I'm not seeing anything. I'm just, I'm just preaching. You know, so you can't, you can't be on certain diets because you're going to fight. Remember, you have a vision. Right? right? So you, you have a vision. Then many of you knew uh, when it came to training, he used to do roadworks. He would run. He would jog. I think he used to run like 10 kilometers. And then he used to work out at the gym. He lift weights there. And then, you know, in terms of training, it's not just the weights. He has to go to the gym and, and have a sparring partner where he's boxing and he's been, he's been guided and so on, you know. And then he said to me, then he has to sleep and have enough rest. And, and I know this is PG-13. I don't know who's... Sorry. This is PG-8. So uh, to watch the fight, he can't engage in certain acts, including having uh, what you call with his wife. I get Because you see, he has to have a lot of testosterone in him. Because testosterone um, not only makes you strong, it makes you angry. <laughs> So if you release too much of it, you become too nice. You can't be too nice when you want to beat a guy up. Look at your neighbor who's not laughing. You say, laugh, it's fine to laugh in church. Come on, laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> Forgive. Forgive. So imagine how far you have to go on a fast. <laughs> you have to deprive yourself. Ulola, Nakir. So because you know what I mean. But then he had to get his mind well. So you can't allow yourself to be worried, to be stressed out, to be negative, 
But you just know for four months. Now imagine, I tried to check. I don't know how many of you have ever checked how long a fight takes if there was no break in between. I don't know how many of you have checked how long it takes in total amount of time. It's 15 rounds, right? Three minutes per round. One minute is how many? I mean, I mean, 12 to 15 rounds. 12 to 15 rounds. Depends, okay? Let's say it's 15 rounds. Calculate gas speed. 15 times 3, Kibukai? 45. 45. Plus the breaks in between. So think about this. So really a fight hunt If you take the entire amount of time where the fight happens, it's one hour. So for, for, for one hour, né? for a performance of one hour, are you understanding me? For a performance of one hour, right? You put in all that work for three to four months, rigorous work, just for it to converge in one hour. And that's what most people don't understand about vision. If you want to achieve vision, I'm telling you, there's a lot more in the background that people don't see. Yeah. Some people just work enough. You know, they just do what's enough. They want to be up there, but they do minimal. Minimal uh, tasks, minimal uh, reading, pray little, work less. You know, there's a there's a there's a guy who used to be one of the one of the uh, great trumpeters, uh, Phil Driscoll. I don't know how many of you know Phil Driscoll. There's a lot of good people who play music, but Phil Driscoll used to, and this is many years ago. All of you young people won't know what I'm talking about. He used to travel the world singing with a lady called Jenny Grind. There was just an incredible team that worked, that, they were so anointed, so powerful. Phil Driscoll was such an incredible trumpeter. That guy used to practice playing trumpet for, for six to eight hours every day. Just eight hours, yeah. And I remember Jenny Grind, when she was uh, doing one of the concerts and she was doing a, leader, a, a session for musicians, you see, and, and, and he said, you know, we would be up doing concerts and would come late from the concert and, and Phil Driscoll, you could almost hear him in his room practicing his trumpet early hours of the morning. He would plug it up a pillow, not to make noise, but he'd practice eight hours. Eight hours. We have people who want to be stars. You know? Mara, you know, they don't want to put in the work. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you quiet now? Why are you so quiet? Why are you quiet? Why are you quiet? I'm trying to say, vision directs you. Vision directs what you do with your time, with your resources, how much you do it. And when you don't have vision, none of these things matter. None of these things. So when you see people when you see people drinking alcohol, when you see people partying, snorting, whatever, you, you know, this person has no vision. This person has no vision. And then when things don't work out, we blame God. It's not a matter of not giving us it's a matter of who has vision and who doesn't have vision. Yeah, I'm not going to overlook. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, let me hear it, Greg Barber Church. Come on now, come on, come on, come on. Now, please, I'm wise enough to understand that our circumstances in which we were born are not the same. Okay? All right. I, I'm, I'm wise enough to know that. However, however, uh, uh, history shows that there's no background that necessarily will imprison you to not become a great person. It may take longer to get there, but get there, you will get there. Look at your neighbor and say, Lido Daduba, Lido Daduba, Lido Daduba. Yeah. That word para is used in the book of Proverbs often. And if you read the entire book of Proverbs and try to summarize, and maybe write in a sentence what that word para means, it gives the sense of letting something slip through the fingers by ignoring opportunity. So when people don't have vision, they let opportunity slip through their fingers. Let me explain to you. See, see when you have a vision, when you have a vision, you, you are constantly thinking about it, talking about it, praying about it, and as you walk around, God has a way of supernaturally, listen to this carefully, he has a way of supernaturally providing what is needed for the fulfillment of the vision. It can be money, it can be connections, it can be lessons you need to learn, but because you are so aware of your vision, right, everywhere you go, right, and people you meet, 
There's opportunity everywhere. I'll give you an example. Just this past week, I met an incredible couple. I, I had wanted to, to do some workshop in some area eating in the church, you know. And I've been thinking about it so much and praying about it. And then I meet this couple. And, and we have this conversation and I find out that they have the same vision in, in, in line with what I was thinking about. And they're an incredible couple. Now, now you know, think about it. If I had met them, think, think this through this with me. If I had met them and I didn't have that vision in my heart, even if they could help resource the vision, if I didn't have that vision, I would have just met them. It would have just been, hello, how are you? Bye-bye. And I would have never realized a moment wherein God is helping resource the vision. So when you don't have vision, opportunity passes you by. And, you know, research has been done by many people that all of us in life, there'll be several opportunities that come our way. But if opportunity lands at your door and you don't have a vision, it just goes by. Yeah. 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 And this is why you'll find that in life, and please hear me well, hear me well, it's as much as we really need to be, you know, people who are, you know, there are people who are A students, you know, you bright. But, you know, to live life, you don't have to be very bright. You no, know, you don't have to. It's a plus when you are very bright. It's a plus when you are very bright. But you really don't have to be very bright. You just have to have vision. In fact, it's been found out that even if you come from a desperate background, extremely poor, even if you have no education whatsoever, that doesn't, by virtue of your background, already relegate you to the corner of those who, who are nobodies. Yeah. It's a matter of vision. And I'm saying this because sometimes we allow our backgrounds to dictate to us. And that is why God is the giver of vision. That's why God will put vision in you. Why? Because God wants to unsettle us. God doesn't want us to make truce with being ordinary. He doesn't want us to accept our circumstances to tell us who we are. God is the one who knows who you are and you should comply with what God says. Oh, come on, let me hear a good amen. <laughs> He says to Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have towards you, says God. He says, I've got plans for you. It's not your background. It's not your relatives. It's not your historical history. I've got plans for you. And he says, those plans are to do you good. Those plans are to give you a future, a future, a future, a future, and an expected end. Somebody say, God has plans for me. God has plans for me. God has plans for me. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So that word means letting something slip through your fingers by ignoring opportunity. That word para speaks as well of being undisciplined. Now, the New American Standard Bible, interestingly enough, says without prophecy the people become demoralized. Now, to be demoralized means the following. It means to lower the morale of. You know, once you cave in on the inside, eh, once something dies on the inside of you, oh goodness, it's a problem. It's a problem. This is why, you know, I was telling them this morning, when you look at children, you know, if, if a child is fine, if they're healthy and they're not sick, the children are generally... Uh, very happy, very active, and, 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 and you, 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 there's a spark in their eye. Have you seen the kids? It's like as they walk around, they're observing, they're learning, they're intrigued by things. Yeah? They're happy, they're smiling, they're laughing. Have you realized? They don't walk, they run. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's a fascination with, 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 with life. But if you look at children, they live in, in the world of vision. They are very imaginative. You see them playing. They, they are thinking of themselves being something. I remember seeing a, 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 a boy, probably he was nine years old, wearing a Superman, Superman attire. 
I, this brother, I, this boy, I thought he was going to fly at some point. I mean, he was just. So it, it's good for us to develop the thinking of the children, for them to imagine possibility and to have a positive way of thinking. Don't, don't poison children. Don't fill them with fear and negativity. And all of that. Come on. Because we're not just Just leave them alone. Scare them. And kids come. They are a clean page on which we can write. And we take our fears and transfer it to them. But you look at these kids. They're so glad. So happy. You know? I mean, when I went to one of the countries that had just gone through war a few years ago, one of the things that struck me the most, I mean, it was fresh out of war. I mean, you go around the streets, you see these buildings that have been bombed down, cars that are burned on the streets. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean it was a mess. I mean, uh, it, it was bad. It was bad, really bad. And it, it was very depressed. I mean, there was no food to eat in this country. You know, in the morning, they used to give us one, one slice of white bread, with black tea. That's all. Not sussman. <laughs> That's all. And this was, the, we were told that was the best place there. They told us, this is the, we went there to preach, you know. They said, this is the best place. In this best place, one slice, white bread, black tea, not sussman. Nothing. Nothing. During lunchtime, they gave us rice with carpenter fish. That's all. No, no, no other, no, no vegetable, nothing. Just carpenter fish, rice. Yeah. And you could see that the elderly people were depressed. I mean, we would preach to congregations. They wouldn't say amen like some of you never say amen when I preach. <laughs> it was tough to preach to those trying to lift them up and work with the churches and so on. I mean, and then one day I walked the streets. I just walked around in the streets. And, and I saw the children. Things were so bad. There was this young boy. He was, all he had was short pants, no top, holes in the pants. Little girl with a little dress, holes in them. Funny enough, they were playing. Funny enough, they were laughing. Funny enough, they were happy. And you watch them. And I, and I remember, I, I always use this story. The boy was, 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 was driving. Yeah. An imaginary car. Vision, vision. He, he sees a picture of a preferable future. I went, I went to this boy. I went to this boy. I went to this boy and I said, what are you doing? He said, can't you see? Because visionaries see what others don't see. He says, can't you see? I'm, 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 I'm driving my car. And, and the girl was the passenger or, 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 the, or the girlfriend. I don't know which of the two. You know, when I, went, when I went back to go to the place where we were sleeping, I, God spoke to me. Because I told you, you can learn. God can teach you from anywhere. God said, see those children? See those children? I said, yeah. He says, did you see how happy they are? Do you see how they're smiling? They're laughing? You know why? Because they have vision. Those kids never call themselves poor. It's you who say they're poor. You who doesn't have a vision, you call them poor. But they are, they are not allowing their torn dress or their torn pants to describe who they are. They are allowing a picture of a preferable future. I see somebody here allowing the picture of a preferable future. Yeah. Yeah. And because they see a picture of a preferable future, their morale is high. I mean, they are laughing, they are walking around, they are alive. There's a lot of people who walk around like corpses. Because no vision. That word demoralize means to weaken the spirit of, or the courage of, or the discipline of, or to dishearten, or to throw into confusion and disorder. But note, the Spanish Bible says, where there's no vision, people run like wild untamed horses. You know, when I read this, I thought, what is God saying here? Let me explain to you. See, a horse is a very strong and powerful animal. And when it's untamed, right, its strength and ability cannot be harnessed 
and channeled to, to achieve a particular purpose. So it can run around, do whatever, expend all its ability, work hard, and never have anything to show for it. Or you can take the same horse, train it either to race with it, train it either to transport cargo, train it for something. So what you're doing is you take its strength, harness it, and channel it to produce certain results. There are many gifted people whose lives never amount to anything. Yeah. There are people whom some of you, God has so been gracious to you to give you opportunities. You get jobs easy, but you can't keep any of them. And, and the problem is because you don't have a vision, you see. Please don't get quiet on me. Say Aben, Anya, Atia. Just say something. There's people who have great personalities. But, you know, they, they, they can't. I remember uh, in, in one place where I was, there was this young man who was serving us. He was working at a restaurant. He had an incredible voice. You know, those uh, very wide voices. You know. <laughs> Deep voice. And I, I said, Munna, you should go and become a voice artist. They're looking for you. Over there, he said, do you think so? I said, I said, if you don't want that voice, give it to me. I will use it to preach. Mine is too high-pitched. I wish I had a voice like that. Oh. Can I have an amen? Oh, I wish I could do something like that. <laughs> but you see, when you don't have vision, even if you've been blessed and you have talents and gifts, they go to waste. Go to waste. Why? Because there's no vision. There's no vision. So vision makes the difference, really, between success and failure. And church people, I want to say it again. Let's dump this thing. vision. See, we church people, we love to leave everything to God. You know, it's almost like no, whatever God wants to do, He will do it. That's not the way it is. We read the Bible, that's not what it is in the Bible. In the case of Jesus, there are people that He healed, like I told you last week 19 cases in the New Testament where Jesus healed people. And 18 of those times, it was not Jesus who initiated the process. Comrades, it was the people who initiated the the people. So many people are waiting on God when God is waiting on them. Yeah. You're waiting for God to do something when opportunity is passing you all over. Mara. No vision, you can't connect with opportunity. Tell your neighbor, why are you so quiet, neighbor? Why are you so quiet, neighbor? Let's look at that word vision from, from the secular, uh, the Oxford Dictionary, six definitions of visions. I'm not going to go into details with all of them. And I'm going to say them fast, please. If you can write them down, I think they'll put them up on our website you can download. Or you can go to the Oxford Dictionary and check. The first definition is the act and faculty of seeing. This is the word vision. The act and faculty of seeing. Vision has to do with seeing. Number two, a thing a person sees in a dream or a trance. I'm going fast. Please forgive me. Number three, it's a supernatural or prophetic apparition. That's the Oxford Dictionary. Number four is the one I like. Vision is a thing or idea perceived vividly in the imagination. You've, you've got to see. You've got to see it before it becomes a reality. I tell you. And it must be clear. It must be vivid. It must be it must be inspirational. It's, it's got to take your life over. You know, I am thankful to God, and I say this advisedly by his sake, with humility in my heart. I didn't realize what was happening when I was in matric, when I got the call of God into ministry, that by then, of course, I was involved in church, but when I got the call of God, I really, really became totally taken by it. Totally. 
I mean, I, I was at school, but I'd go out preaching. And there's things that I could have done better, you know, in terms of coordinating my, 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 my journey. But I was passionate. You couldn't fault me for being passionate. Being in a local church, I was helping at my church, and I was doing all kinds of things, and you know, I'd be there at the church's conferences. I'd be there when they have whatever. When they need volunteers, I'd be the first one to be there. You know, when there were seminars, I'd be the first one to be there. When I'm in church, I'd come on time. I never miss church. I'd be there. You know, I'd be there. I'd take notes. I'd say amen. I'd worship. I was in it. I was in it. And this is what I've never understood with some people who claim to be called into the ministry. When you look at them, why would I know? According to wrong God. No, I'm not talking about being emotional. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's a certain level at which you give yourself to vision. You see? That there's a certain level. You know? I mean, the, 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 the example that I gave, yeah, 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 I mean, you'd see him. I mean, him and other uh, athletes. You see their level of discipline. When, you know, in wintertime when it's cold. The guy's jogging in the streets four in the morning. I think the brother is crazy. No, he's not crazy. He's good vision. Or at least vision now is not to go beat somebody up in the, what you call. So it's, it's all right. But those people, when you look at the way they carry themselves, it doesn't reconcile with where they say they're going. There's a contradiction there. You've got to have this picture vivid in your mind. Number fifth definition, vision is imaginative insight. Number six, statesman-like foresight. Now, the Collins Dictionary, and I like this one. This is a nice one. Collins Dictionary says, vision is the ability or instance of great perception, especially of future development. And this is why we need visionaries, because, you see, when we don't have visionaries, we will always be drowned out by our problems. I mean, here we are, we are having load shedding. I mean, load shedding has caused lots of problems, and we will not in any way underplay the problems, multiple problems. But you see, <laughs> somebody has to come up with a solution. Now, I don't know. There's all kinds of things that are floating around as to why it is. I don't want to go into the politics of that. Or, for instance, we're going to be having the Achievers Awards now. Okay? This, the others, and I'd really advise you to be at that program on the 5th of February. It's incredible. You'll see the young people who will have performed well, who, who are from Soweto, or, or, or yeah, from, 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 yeah, yeah. Remember, our awards is, is exclusively, it's exclusively for young people from from previously disadvantaged communities. We, 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 and we get the results from the Department of Education and Training. And I mean, I still remember now, I mean, uh, this young boy, Imatimba, Matimba Masunga, was it his name, Masunga? Matimba Masunga? I, I forget his name. This young man who, who uh, attended a school called Shawela. He used to go meet by train when the trains were working. And he used to get off. Can I watch that station? Midway, yeah, Midway station, yeah. He, the young man, I think, if he's wrong, he had like orange farm, and he had to come to Shawela, and he had to commute by train. And he said he would get up on the train at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he would be at school, I think, by 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and he would study on his own, on his own, Matimba, on his own. And, and after school, when all the young people left, he would stay for another two hours, three hours, Matimba. And I remember he got an award here, and if I'm not wrong, I don't know if he's in the actual sciences or whatever. I don't know what he is now. But, but the young guy has... And, and, you know, you go to his home. Hmm? This young boy was raised in a mkuku. Yeah. 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 No, no silver spoon in his mouth. But you ask him, he said, no, no. I started, you know, when I was in standard six, I made this decision. And by the time he got to grade... Great whatever, I'm sorry. He would like a standard. But by the time he got to grade 11 and grade 12, this young man had a, a, a planned out method. In spite of his problems, in spite of his challenges, he was able, you'll see them, you'll see them on the fifth. Young people who have gotten several distinctions. 
principals of schools in the township that get a 100% pass rate. Oh, yeah. 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 When the principal next door can't do it, you ask the one next door, no, you don't understand. Actually, the socio-political context in which we are doing this, we are a people who are previously disadvantaged. We know all that principal too. We know all that. We, we come from there, okay? Question I'm asking is, what vision do you have? I was talking with one of the uh, in, inspectors uh, in uh, school, whatever, in our church here, and they're telling me about some school in some other place. You know, these days I have to not say where, because I don't want people to find out. And they were saying they, 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 they were going to have some of the leaders from the Department of Education visit the school, and the school had to be cleaned up and be, be ready, and, and the principal couldn't do it. Principal said, no, the, the, the teachers here, the young people, we can't do the school, whatever. You don't understand where we are. And yet the school next door is clean. It's, the grass is cut. Oh, I know you're quiet. I like it when you're quiet like this because, you see, we like to make lots of excuses. We like to make lots of excuses. Why am I saying this? Because there's a lot more that God puts in your heart as a leader. Don't allow yourself to be drowned out by your background. Don't allow people to tell you. If you have a vision, it may take long. It may be difficult. You may have to fight with certain people. But go on with the vision. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Yeah. And the principal of this other school was, uh, school was all tidy. The, the SGB was highly motivated. The parents themselves used to come and cut the grass. The young people who you would attend, you know, there's the schools where the young people, when it's 8 o'clock, they're all there. Not these ones, early 8 o'clock, and you see several of them from the same school. Can you encourage me, please? We said that the word vision comes from the Latin word videre, and this word describes the capacity to be forward-looking and foresighted. Therefore, vision, you can write this down. Vision is the ability to see in your spirit and in your mind that which God wants you to achieve. The ability to see in your spirit, in your mind, what God wants you to achieve. Vision is a picture of what you want to achieve and what you want to become. Watch this now. And you plan now in order to reach your future goal. Let me give you some quotations from several books. These are nice books. And if you can get a chance to read these books, they are incredible books. Kausas Postner in his book entitled The Leadership Challenge says this about vision and our code. Vision is an ideal and unique image of the future, end of quote. Vision is an ideal and unique image of the future. So, it's, you know, it's ideal because, you know, vision is not what is now. Vision is what can become. So it's an ideal picture. But it's also a unique image. It's different. And, and people who have vision, you, you, you listen to them. They can be in a community, but they think different. They talk different. Even most of all, they behave different. See, when you're a young person on only vision, you don't just matter where you're anywhere with your time and you are in these groups and whatever. No, 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 no. When they all go by Lopatia, you study. When they all go and drink, when now you go somewhere else. Come on now, come on now, come on now. Oh, yeah. So it becomes a, 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 an ideal and unique image of the future. George Banner, who is uh, one of the greatest authors, in, uh, and uh, he does these, uh, these uh, scientific studies or uh, technical assessments on the church. I like the way he uses these scientific measuring tools to measure what church does. It's quite incredible. There's a book entitled Turning Vision into Action that he's written. And in it... He gives this definition. It's a long one, but it's a very interesting definition, and I'll go through all of it. And I quote, Vision is a clear and precise mental portrait of a preferable future. A clear and precise mental portrait of a preferable future, comma, 
imparted by God to his people, comma, based on an accurate understanding of God's self and circumstances, like end of quote. Like I said, I don't want to discuss, I don't want to go into those details. Just leave that definition up there, please. But Lawrence, I'm commenting. Can you bring, bring back the definition? Let them write it down, please. Thank you. Thank you. Vision is a clear and precise mental portrait of a preferable preacher imparted by God to his people based on an accurate understanding of God's self and circumstances. Bill Hybels, in his book, Courageous Leadership, says this, and I quote, vision is the picture of the future that produces passion. I love this. It's a picture of the future that produces passion. This is where I am. I'm in a situation where things are not working, things are not great, but I get a picture of a preferable future and the way it's such a good picture, it produces passion. See, when Nehemiah came to the people of Israel and said, come, let us build the wall. You know, I can see. So I see all the destruction. I see what is happening. Kiabona, where we are, but let's not camp where we are. Right? Let's not allow where we are, right, to determine what becomes of our lives. Can we have a picture of a prefer- and that's the way God works. Anytime God wants to take somebody out of stagnancy, he gives them vision. Anytime somebody is surrounded by circumstances and situations that seem impossible, God gives you a picture of a preferable future. Don't underestimate the picture that God gives in your heart. Amen. Now, this one, number four, this one is my definition, so you can quote me there. And I quote me. Vision to me is knowing God's purpose for your life and going out to fulfill it. End of quote. Knowing God's purpose for your life and going out to fulfill it. And, and because it's the definition, 1 John 3, 8, second part. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. What I'm trying to say is that vision has to start with God inspiring it. It's going to be a picture of a preferable future inspired by God. Why? Because note by Jesus, when God gives vision, he doesn't dump all of it into our hearts and our minds all at once. But what God does is to impart vision to us progressively. Most people don't understand that the process of vision comes in incremental revelation. And I'll explain. In other words, God gives you enough for now, though there is more that is to follow. He may show you the destination, but the how-tos, he's going to lead you one step at a time. That is why Psalm 37 says the steps of a good man, not the leap. The stance of a good man. Most people want to see their life going somewhere, but they are very impatient about the progressive nature of vision. Many people like coincidence. They don't want the journey. No, they don't want to get up and, and, and run on the streets by the road work. They don't want to go to the gym and work out for four hours. Uh-uh. They don't want to have a special diet. They don't want to discipline themselves, but they want to see their life going somewhere. They hope one day things will get better. One day, and God says, huh, I'm going to guide you in steps. Let me emphasize this, Pastor. This is important. I was saying it last week, and I was, during the week, I was thinking about it and praying about it a lot, and I'm being honest with you. Note this. This is important. Very often, the process of getting to the fulfillment of vision is more important to God than the destination itself. Why? Why? Because in Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, he that is faithful in little will be made ruler over much. Therefore, God looks at what we do with the small stuff and how we commit to the small stuff. Where we are not known, we are not seen, nobody comes to congratulate us. Where we're all alone, we don't have a manager, we have to be self-motivated, self-disciplined, to wake up on our own, to be faithful. You know, when I became pastor of the church, it it used to startle me the way people, because now I was full-time, you know. I started, I was full-time, I became full-time, 1983. I started working, church was very small, 35 people. 
Didn't have a salary. I was working from home. Didn't have an office. So I turned the garage at home to be my office. And I was surprised at my friends who would come and visit me. No appointment, nothing. They just come. Now, I don't mind Bazalana. I'm a friendly guy. But, 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 but I'm at work. Now, you see now, you see now, you see, yeah, yeah, go garage, you think it's not, no, no, no. Me, I decided I'm going to go to the office, and I, my office hours was Tuesday through Friday. Monday, I took a day off, but Tuesday through Friday, I'd work. And 8 o'clock, I started, 4 o'clock, I knocked off. Now, there, weren't, there wasn't a lot to do. So I did counseling, follow-up, whatever I could do, but the rest of the time I spent in preparation, study, strategy, praying, everything. It's, it's work. That's, that's how you build a church. How are you going to build a church? It's not built by luck. It's not built by prophecy. Yeah. It's not built by false miracles. No, no. You've you got to have a vision. And then I remember my friends would come on Tuesday, you know, they'd arrive there, 9 o'clock, and I, it's just an hour, man. Huh? They're there, 9 o'clock. So I thought, no, it's my friend. You know, you are nice, you know. So you smile, you greet them, you talk. Marika, Mona, 10 o'clock, Yashaya. 2 o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And then I take lunch at, at 1 o'clock. So because it's my friend, Reject Alfred. So I don't mind that. But then 2 o'clock still there, 3 o'clock still there, 4 o'clock still there. And I'm thinking, hey, so get your miyakakitabawu. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm trying to be nice. So oh, that day, well, you know, I let it happen. And then the following day, I came back. Serious. Same thing. I call. No. On Thursday, it's a can of carrots, but yo, I got it. I got it. I'm at work. You know what the response was? What do you mean, who comes up at Yeah. 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 Umo karaj. Nobody's coming. Can you see? That's your problem. You don't understand the process. Handling the small things, the beginnings. Yeah. Yeah. The process. God says to Ezra, he says, despise not the day of small beginnings. God doesn't look at how you handle the big stuff. God looks at how you handle the small stuff. And it is in how you handle the small stuff where God decides if he can give you the big stuff. When you're not known, when nobody, you know, when they think what Allah, they dismiss you. That's why people is surprises us all of a sudden about how, how, kerake, kerake, no, khalar, la, da. Oh, 1983. But it's, it's 40 years of insignificance. It's 40 years of being in garages, in rented places. It's, oh my goodness, it's, it's 40 years of all kinds of things. Some of you, you are not faithful to what God's given you. We don't understand how God leads us in steps. Steps, start in a garage, start in a back room. Start go higher, start in the corner of a street selling some merchandise. Start the old smoke, suck the robot thing. Start there when I go high. Start there, but you're not going to end there. I say you're not going to end there. And if you smoke, suck the robot thing, oh, naka nine o'clock, chaisaka six o'clock, we know you are there. Sometimes some of the small traders, that's where they disappoint you. I saw it when people started branching out into having, you know, uh, saloons and barber shops, and, you know, you have a guy who's such, so good in. You know, doing your hair. When I used to have hair, I used to have a pen, by the way. Y'all, I used to have a pen. And this guy was so good. He to, my pen was, shababa. But then he branched out to go and start his own thing. And this is where I tell certain people. Some people, you better working for somebody else. Yeah, I know you don't like it. Because you may be good with your hands, but you are disorganized. You need somebody who can organize you. So it's better because left to your own initiative as a person, I organize. And this was this guy. This guy, good with his hands. Great. This, most disorganized guy you could ever find. So he had his own saloon. You go there, which and I not look saludes. Yeah, saludes. Like some of you. 
And then he rocks up at 12 o'clock with a ton of excuses. Oh, man. Oh, man. Something is to blame. You know, I ended up leaving him, going somewhere. He lost a client. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a client because he doesn't know how to build something small. Listen, that it's small doesn't mean it must be disorganized. Are you understanding me? That it's small doesn't mean it can't have class. It can't have finesse. That it's small doesn't mean now you don't come on time, you don't arrive on time. You don't bank it. <laughs> you know, the way it is in cutting, Mudimala Saralenka fell alone. Vision, no matter how expansive or innovative, will fail if it doesn't have God's blessing. Now, let me conclude with these points as I finish off and we'll pick up next week. Vision is tangible to the beholder. In other words, you see it. Although it's just a concept of perception or it's non-existent reality. Vision, however, exists within the heart and the mind of the visionary so clearly that it may be thought as a living image. You live in it. You, you can see it. You, you can taste it. You can smell it. It, it takes over your thinking, your praying. You're planning. You know, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I was telling them in the first service, like, you know, uh, you know, when I, when I saw my bishop, you know, then, then, then I was messed up. Because you, you saw this girl and you just can't get her off your mind. Now, I know you church people, you want to act like, ah, work. No, 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 you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and everywhere you go, you are talking about her. Because you, you've just taken by this girl. I have a, a minister friend who's, who's married now. I won't tell you. And he was preaching in universities, you know. And he uh, says he was preaching. And, and he said, as I was preaching, then walk, this lady walked in. Uti, 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 bishop. I forgot the text I was using. I forgot the scriptures. I forgot the points as she walked in. We just continue preaching. We just act like a It's time to worship. Can we raise our hands and worship the Lord? Shaba yaba yaba. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> and here's the interesting thing. He said, afterwards, after everything, he wanted to find out who she was. And you know how guys are, right? They'll hunt you down till they find you. Finally, hunted her down. Finally. Thank God they've been married now for more than 30 years. Yeah. Imagine being like that with your vision. Yeah. Imagine being like that. With the vision that God gives you. That is what you talk about, what you think about, what you pray about. Such a vision as I close. One, it motivates your life. Two, it directs your life. Three, it filters information. In other words, whatever comes your way in terms of the direction of your life is filtered through that vision. It comes a filter. So there are things that don't make it through the filter. Because they don't line up with my vision. I don't even have to pray about it. I don't even have to think about it. It's not going where I'm going. Number four, it serves as a catalyst in decision making. So everything you decide must line up with your vision. You, you can't say you want to go to Cape Town and then you get onto the N1 North. You're not going to get to Cape Town. It doesn't matter what kind of car you have and how much petrol you have. You're not going to get there. You're not going to get there. And finally, it measures progress. So when you have a vision, then you can evaluate your life. You can check how far am I? How far have I gone? You see, most Christians don't measure. They, you know, they, we don't do it. We just go on, you know. We don't know. You know, you know some of you say we want to improve. Improve what? I want to measure improve. But it measures progress. And so this coming week, 
We'll get into those nuts and bolts. We were just starting to get to them. But this coming week, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of vision as we conclude this month. And I'm hoping, Baheso, that it will be more than just the notes you have. It will be translated into a practical reality. Listen, now, look. You, you don't need to put into practice all the points. You just need one point that's going to turn your life around. And my question is, what will that point be for you this year? What will that point be? That you say, 2023, I am leaving the place of those who are held back by no vision. I'm a person of vision. And this year, I'm going to live out God's vision for my life. And sometimes, as I said in the first of it, vision at times begins with you deciding to have your life line up with God. See, if you're, if you're living a life and God's not in the equation and you're not living in a way that is pleasing to God, I can tell you one thing, you're going to live a very frustrated life. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you say, Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I may not be proud of what happened in 2022. I may not be where I want to be, but I want to start with you being the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I have people here who probably, you're back now after three years. And when you were away, you went into all kinds of things. And now you are here. This is a great way to start again. If it is that when you went away, you threw caution to the wind and you did whatever that has caused harm in your life, God is reaching out to you and is saying to you, you can start again. God never gives up on anybody. Never. Never. After he spoke to Abraham and Abraham didn't get it, God came back, made him to look at the stars, says, lift up your eyes and look, gave him another vision. When he didn't get it, God changed his name. So now I'm changing your name. And God will always try to give you vision, a picture, a picture of a preferable future because God's not going to give up on you. You may give up on you. Other people may give up on you, but God's not going to give up on you. Yeah, God's not going to give up on you. Yeah. God's going to try and use circumstances. God's going to use sermons. God's going to use situations and things around you. Try and get you back on track. He would be like that Siri on your phone who's always screaming, recalculate it. God wants to bring you back on path. And so today, as we close, I want to pray for you. If it is that you're here and you say, you know what, Bishop, I really need to get my life back in alignment. Really, my life is not pleasing before God. The way I'm living now, I'm really not pleasing before God. But I, I believe I can ask Jesus to forgive me. I can receive Christ in my life and my life can get back to alignment. Would you pray for me? Would you all bow your heads, please, and close your eyes in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Even those of you who are in the youth hall, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes right there, please. We want to pray for you. And we want to ask the people in the youth hall, please don't wait until we close the service before you leave. You're still part of this service. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed all over this place. You know, in a service like this, God speaks to us in different ways. And the best thing we can do is to respond to God. And please keep the doors open. It's kind of hot, you know. It's kind of hot. We want to pray for you. If it is that you want Jesus to come into your life and be the Savior and Lord of your life, we want to pray for you. As we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and you say, please pray for me. I really need help. I, I, I really want to ask Jesus come into my life. I want to ask God to redirect my life and put me on the right path. Please pray for me. If that is you and you need the prayer, would you raise your hand, please, right where you are. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands all over the place. Raise them. Raise them. This is where we come to have God work on our lives. No shame. No embarrassment. We come here as a broken people. We come here as a people who've lost direction. And we put our hands in the grace of God. A God who's able to keep us. A God who's able to restore lives. No need for any shame. 
No need for any shame. Raise it high. Raise that hand high. Say, yeah, please, I, I need prayer. I need prayer. Even people in the youth hall, people in the foyer, raise those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. May I ask everybody who raised their hands, I want to pray for you. Would you please stand on your feet right where you are, please? Without any shame, just stand on your feet right where you are. Just stand on your feet. Right. All over the place. All over. All over. All over. That's right. Yeah, give them an encouragement. That's the way to do it. Stand on your feet. Don't need to be afraid. All right. This is what I want to ask you to do. I want to pray for every one of you, all right? If you could take your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse, whatever you have with you, take it in your hands and, and just walk to the front. Even people in the foyer, walk to the front. Those in the youth wall, walk to the front of the youth wall. Come, let me pray with you. Come this morning. Give them a big hand, everybody, as they walk. <laughs>